Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you revelation from the Bible. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Another solo episode kind of looks like maybe Chris is gone. I say that hesitantly because, of course, I want to leave the door open in case he ever wants to come back, of course. Because we had some good times, me and him together, you know. So I'm doing well today. I hope that you guys are doing well too. And I'm hoping that we can bring you a little bit of revelation from the Bible today. And maybe, maybe it didn't speak to you in some of the way it spoke to me this past week as I've studied it. Starting out with some housekeeping. We're looking into doing a little more in the news sort of sort of stuff going on. So um, one thing I wanted to bring up was it's re- really culminated around uh, the new, the new movie Lightyear, which is kind of just a, a revamp of the old, the old IP of, of Buzz Lightyear, which is of course from Toy Story. Um, I've just, I've seen so many, so many of these things that people have gotten really upset about that I just have a hard time understanding sometimes why they get upset about them. But personally, I've watched the movie, and the thing that everyone was enraged over is seconds in the movie. It's not even like the main focus of the movie. Um, personally, for my kids, there's you know homosexual couples in our family, so they see this sort of uh, affection from those people every now and then, so... It's one of those things we just feel like it's not outrageous. And again, uh, we've talked a little bit about holding others to our standards, and I don't feel like we are called to do that. Now, if you decide that this is something you don't want your kids to watch, then by all means, I'm on your side. You have every right to decide how and what your kid is exposed to, you know? So I can see where people are upset about that. But personally, I don't see it as something that. I need to keep them away from, you know, and I've, I've kept them away from things before. Um, so it's just one of those things. I feel like maybe we need to take a level head and actually pre-screen the things our kids are watching. I know it sucks. And especially some of the younger kids shows, they're just like really dumb. And you're like, wow, come on, dude, you gotta fix that real easy. But you got to understand it's small stakes for small minds. So uh, I, I can understand that, you know, there's a little bit of convenience just being able to turn on the TV and let them watch a show, not have to worry about it. I appreciate that, but I do keep a close eye on what our kids watch as well, you know, because if they ever have questions about things like that, I want them to be able to ask me directly. I'd rather them talk to me about it than anyone else. But of course we homeschool as well. So we have a lot of control over what our kids are exposed to. Moving on, uh, I've started actually breathing through my nose, which is amazing. If you haven't done this, let this be a PSA that you should start breathing through your nose. It uh, it can really, really change your life. You get better sleep, better oxygen. It's it's really nice. So, just uh, I I got that because of listening to Mike Rowe. So, if you're interested in that sort of thing, I would suggest his discussion or the guy's book who he was interviewing for that discussion. And that book is called uh, deep and breath. So go look those up and he will ex- give you all the reasons why you should too breathe through your nose. So 
what happened last episode. So today we are in Isaiah 4. Last week, or two weeks ago, excuse me, we were in Isaiah 3. And we were talking about the judgment and all the the things that Isaiah was saying Israel is about to face because of the things that they have done wrong and the way they have not been following God's God's directive correctly or on the nose. And so therefore they are going to face some, uh, you know, judgment for what they're doing and not following through with the things that God has called them to. He also spoke of a remnant last time, and that's a little different than the remnant we're going to speak of today. That remnant was the women and children, the the non-leaders in the society that would be left behind, and that would have to make up for them not having all the leadership because the men were going to be judged very severely for what they've done. And basically, all of Israel was left leaderless. So we pick up today in in chapter 4, where it's a little different. And it's a really short and sweet chapter, so this could be a very short podcast, looking about only 20 minutes, maybe maybe 20 to 30 minutes. We'll see about that. But this is, we're going to do a little differently today. We'll break it up. We will go through each verse line by line and uh, pause after each verse to kind of see what's going on in this and where it connects to the end times and where it connects back to the earlier scripture in the the uh, Old Testament, especially the stuff that Isaiah would have been familiar with, that he would have grown up listening to and reading if he was reading. Then this would be, we're going to look at all those connections one verse at a time. So beginning chapter 4 and verse 1. In that day, seven women will take hold of one man and say, We will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. So in this time, it was very disgraceful for women not to be married. Uh, You often see, even throughout the Bible, where women who aren't married or have been married multiple times or have multiple husbands and stuff like that, you see that they're often talked about in very disgraceful ways. Uh, so we can see that they're very, very protective of that one man, one woman sort of thing. And we see that these women don't want to be, have that stigma of being widows or being unmarried or being, uh, remarried for that matter. So as we discovered in the last chapter, there was going to be a lot of women and children left over. So there's not going to be very many men to go around at this time. And we will see that. And, and this little scene is, is the women all trying to get the name of this man and uh, just so that they could be married and, you know, proper women at that point, instead of having to fend for themselves completely, though they are saying they will fend for themselves even if they just have their name. There's actually an interesting parallel here that's also being made where, as we've seen uh when we're talking about the women, it's often talking about Israel, who is often referred to as the bride of Christ. So this could also mean that the people of who say they are of Christ, or, well, not of Christ at this time, there are God's people who are calling themselves God's people, but they are not using, or they're not relying on God's strength and provision. So again, this could also be they the, the more of this kind of allusion to that religious just going through the motion and doing the rituals, even if you don't mean it, or 
today we can see that where we don't rely on God's grace, we don't rely on God's strength, we don't rely on God's provision, we rely on our own strength and provision. And that could also be kind of what he's saying in this in this section. And we're going to see in this entire chapter, Isaiah is kind of going back and forth between the Israel that is left right after the time of judgment that will destroy them in this way. And then, of course, they will be able to sort of rebuild and come back as a nation and going to the end times when God's people are brought back into Israel or New Jerusalem, for that matter, and remade in, in the perfect recreation. So he's, he's straddling a fine line between these two visions. And in the next verse, we get to an interesting statement. It's called the branch of the Lord. Verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Starting off that verse, it says, in that day. And in that day is actually referring to the day, like the day of judgment, the day of recreation, that sort of thing. So when he says that in that day, the branch of the Lord, he is talking about in the end times, the time of judgment, the time of this starting of recreation. So we see that he's also talking about the people, the survivors of Israel, the, the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors. So these people he's specifically talking about are the ones who have come through, who have stayed in God, that have, you know, in today's terms, stayed in Christ and have followed God faithfully and have chosen to do the things that God has asked them to and have relied on them. And he's also saying that all the suffering and everything that they have gone through will also be worth it on that day because they will see the fruit of the land and it'll be their pride and glory. Now this branch section in the Hebrew, it's actually talking about like a shoot or a sprout. So this is where it's connecting back more to the the uh, prophecies of the Messiah. So he's using a word here that in English, it doesn't, it doesn't quite um, have the meaning that it does when Isaiah is using it in the actual language here. And it's talking about the Messiah in Zechariah and Jeremiah, both prophets that would have been a little bit before Isaiah also use the same word. So he's pulling on that word and that connotation to bring everyone's mind to that in the end times, the Messiah will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of those who stay in God. And on a more modern note, we will be blown away by the riches and the glory that we will experience on that day of recreation. So carrying on into verse 3, those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. So right there we have more words that kind of hearken to that that final recreation where it's talking about Zion and those who remain are called holy. And then the recording among the living in Jerusalem, this is talking about more than likely new Jerusalem when recreation is finally brought about. And this remnant that left is a part after judgment. So this would be the final judgment. This would be the recreation happening at this point. And them being all holy, of course, means that this isn't just like some near fulfillment where, you know, Israel gets wiped out and comes back and starts falling into its same ways. These people would be absolutely holy, so they will uh, never want, never fall again in that way. So, and then right there at the end of that 
section it says uh, recorded among the living in Jerusalem. Other translations may actually mention the the book of life in this section, and this is of course is the book that we've heard about in Revelation where all the names of those who will be in the Greek creation, those who have stayed in Jesus, those who have stayed in God, will be in this new town, this new city, this new creation of, of the entire universe, and they are written in that book of life. So continuing on in verse 4, the Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion. He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. So again, it's talking about the women of Zion. We've discussed this last chapter where it's talking about the people who are left over after that judgment where all the men are wiped out or all the leaders are wiped out. And again, we often see Israel referred to as as female, the bride Christ, or the bride of God sort of thing. So um, again, this is talking about the ones who are left over are not these holy ones we were just talking about in the verse before. This is all the people who are left after that initial partial fulfillment where Israel's been taken over or wiped out in some way. And then we also have the section where it starts talking about the spirit of judgment and the spirit of fire. And as we've seen in, uh, in revelation, there is a fire, there's a burning fire that it's part of judgment that comes and washes over the earth. And everyone who was ever alive gets to pass through that fire in some manner. And either they come out the other side completely perfected or that is the end of them and this is isaiah connecting the presence of god with this presence of judgment and the spirit of fire so i don't remember exactly where it is i actually just found it it's a uh, first peter 1 7 it says so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation of Jesus Christ. So right there, Peter is talking about how everything we do, everything we've ever done will pass through uh, fire in the end times. And only the things that are worth, that are made with gold, the things that we've done for Christ, the things we've done for God, the things we have sacrificed, those things will pass through the fire. Everything that we've done for ourselves, that we've done sin, stuff like that, all that stuff will be burnt away. So Isaiah is really pulling on this, this, this imagery of God being this judgment, this fire. And of course, back in those times, fire was very important, you know, cleaning food, cleaning stuff like that. And then of course, when a lot of this imagery is talking about refining fire, which was used to refine metals out of, you know, less refined metals, of course, and they would heat the metal until all the impurities would, would come off the top and they could scrape them off and of course that would give them more pure silver and more pure gold and stuff like that so whenever it's talking about this this kind of god being that fire is more of a purifying refining fire not necessarily this destructive uh of course it is a very destructive force but it's not talking about it's being used as a destructive force in this case it's being used as a refining or purifying force then moving on to verse five then the Lord will create over all Mount Zion and over those who assemble there a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night where everything, the glory will be a canopy. So right there, that is, that is very specific imagery that Isaiah is pulling up that should bring you back to, or, uh, to Exodus where the, where Israel is being led throughout the desert in 
at night by a pillar of fire and by day a pillar of smoke and clouds. And this is this is very on purpose. He is connecting the presence of God with that same imagery. And of course, connecting that judgment and that imagery of this fire that leads you, the fire that refines you, the fire that guides you. And of course, that all being the one true God. We got another interesting little thing here in the Hebrew refers to this assembly as uh, more of the assembly of God sort of thing. So this there was a time when everyone would assemble around the holiest of holy places and this would be the place this would this assembling would be in reference to God coming into their presence sort of thing and of course at over time that assembly and that being God is assembled sort of thing became one in the same. So it, it's talking here. Isaiah is using this again as a double entendre as almost everything that he's written in this entire um, chapter that it's talking about those who are assembled in God, those who are assembled with God sort of thing. And of course, this is meaning that God is now dwelling in the midst of his people, uh, just like he did when Israel was walking through the wilderness. Now talking about Israel's covenant here, there was three major parts to it, that he would be their God, that they would be his people, and that he would dwell with them. And we see that this is him coming back, like he's already established that he is our God, and then we are his people. And of course, this this has to be done before the third can even exist. And this is talking about when God will come back to dwell with the people. Of course, this is pointing towards that final that final. Uh, day of judgment and recreation. And of course, as we know, sin cannot exist in the presence of God. So to prevent the utter destruction of his people in Israel back when they first made these covenants and every time, you know, they kind of come back to God and then they start doing things that they shouldn't be doing. He has to separate himself from, from the people before, you know, his holiness just utterly destroys them. Because again, sin cannot exist in his presence. So if he were to come into the presence of someone who is not properly atoned for their sins, they would be annihilated. And then Isaiah focuses more on the sins that separated Israel from God, such as their idolatry, their social injustice, their empty religious ritualism, which we have gone over in all three of the last chapters that we have studied in Isaiah. So if you want more of a focus on God removing his presence from Israel, Ezekiel goes in very, very in depth on when, uh, how, what it is that God does to remove his presence from Israel and very very likely we will probably go over Ezekiel at some point as well, because again, he talks, he's another prophet who talks a lot about uh, spiritual things and then the movement of God. So we, we will definitely be going over that someday. And then to end on a high note with verse six, it'll, it will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and rain. Of course, that is talking about that pillar of fire that he mentioned in the previous verse. And this just means when we dwell in and with God, we can find rest even in the worst of times, this this rest from the storm and rain. And then, of course, sin cannot exist in God's presence, so therefore only good things are near God. Of course, this means that uh, no matter, we, we can be protected in knowing that nothing that approaches God, as long as we're near God, will be anything that'll bring us harm. 
and then we can get closer to God by accepting Jesus' sacrifice and walking in God's way. Of course, a lot of this was talking about how uh, you know Israel had decided not to walk with God, not to follow his his instructions, not to do the things that God calls us to do, and that can that can lead to destruction and people, you know, of course, just evil coming into the world and, and creating more of that in the world. And of course, we're called to do the opposite. We're called to bring more light into the world. We're called to bring heaven and earth closer together. We're called to bring that world more into existence here as we walk with God, as we do the things he calls us to do, as we you know show love to those around us and try to bring the others that haven't seen God or know God to knowing and seeing God and following his, his ever present ways, you know? So for the takeaway today, I kind of wanted just to dwell on a, a Psalm that kind of really speaks to what we kind of, you know, discussed today. So I'll leave you with this and then I will sign us off and I will see you next time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture, and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time.